Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. It's the first Monday of the Premier League season, and we're all feeling very good. I'm joined once again by Matt Addison and James Martin. But Liverpool got the season off exactly as we wanted it to. Three points, a big win, and the good news keeps coming. When we were deciding what to do about this year, this week's podcast, I was considering the idea of all these new contracts, and lo and behold... Another one seems to have appeared this very morning. So I'm very pleased that I'm right on schedule with my topics. Uh, Matt, first of all, first reaction to the news. For those who don't know, uh, David Ornstein has reported it's not actually signed yet, but an agreement has come in. And that agreement word is crucial because that was the point that most Liverpool fans were concerned about. There was a lack of agreement early on in the summer. Yeah, I think um yeah, it's it's obviously a big relief, I think is is one certain emotion that a lot of Liverpool fans will will be feeling. I think it's it's a logical one to get done. It was one that to be honest, even with the reports that, you know, PSG might be interested, Atletico Madrid might be interested a few weeks ago, I always felt it would probably get done one way or another. I don't think there was any <clears throat> sort of massive rush from Jordan Henderson to to leave. I think it was more from his representatives. They maybe felt that, you know, other players were being put forward for contracts first. Obviously we've seen Trent, Fabinho, Allison, Van Dyke, all of those four, I think, deservedly ahead of, of Jordan Henderson for for a variety of, of reasons. But I think it was one that was was always going to be agreed one way or another in the end. There's obviously that little genie one album doubt in the back of your your mind, of course, but I think Jordan Henderson club captain, all the rest of it. I think it was it was a slightly different case. And mm. it, it's not a massive shock to me uh, that it's that it's happened. Maybe it's a, a bit of a surprise that it's come so quickly after the sort of reports a few weeks ago. I think that's probably bumped it up the priority list a little bit. But yeah, what Jordan Henderson brings, I think you can quantify in terms of how good a footballer he is. It's the other stuff as well that you can't quantify. You don't want to lose the leadership, the captaincy, all of that sort of thing. It's just something that, that Liverpool don't need to be thinking about. So, yeah, it, it's not signed yet. Uh, by the time people are, are listening to this, it, it probably won't be announced or anything like that. But it doesn't sound like it's a million miles away. And again, it's it's not a massive shock because Henderson wanted to stay. He loves being here. He loves being the captain. But at the same time, there is a little bit of, of relief, I think, in my mind. Uh, Matt's right there, James, isn't he? I think most of us believed that it would get done at some point. But... When he, he references Genie there, it shows that the club really were in the trickiest situation the most would acknowledge because it seemed like from Henderson's point of view, it wasn't so much about the money or even the contract length. It was about his importance within the group. And Matt mentions all those intangibles and stuff like that. We're constantly talking about those when we talk about Jordan Henderson. Maybe he felt like we were kind of dismissing his worth as a player a little bit too soon. We were talking about him maybe fading away a bit too soon. And then you have to come to his injury record as well. So there were lots of things in the mix that FSG had to consider. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't necessarily that confident that a new deal would get done. Um, I was confident he wouldn't leave this summer. I never thought that was going to realistically happen. But I could have seen another Wijnaldum situation quite easily in the sense that his deal did still have two years to run. That takes him to 33. So it's it's a very FSG move. When they're looking at it on the on the spreadsheets, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I mean, especially these are the owners who 
who did preside over Gerard's last contract, and they will have been aware of that in the sense that his last season or, or potentially two seasons, there was definitely that decline there, even though he was, of course, still contributing. It was it was a different player and maybe not one who was justifying the, the massive wage that he was on at the time. Um, but, of course, you look again at those intangibles, and if Henderson doesn't want to be doesn't want to be judged on those intangibles, then that's maybe where FSG would have said, well, okay, if we're just judging you as a player, then that's where you, you don't necessarily get the new deal. Uh, that's not to say he doesn't bring ridiculously high levels onto the pitch, because he does, and I'm sure that's what's in his mind, the sense that maybe people are just overplaying those other elements, as you mentioned, and, and underplaying his his playing talents. But but it's an age profile thing. I think the only reason, only reason is probably harsh, but the main the main reason it's important to renew him is the whole package rather than just his playing ability or just his intangible. It's everything together. Yeah, I think that's fair. But looking at it from his perspective, we've seen him as a man who feels that the assessment of him has been wrong throughout his career and he's driven to prove that wrong time and time again. He still clearly believes that he can come on and be an integral part of the core for the next two, three and four years. Do you see a scenario where maybe... Liverpool are trying to move him into that Milner role and he's resisting it at this point. Maybe he still wants to be a de- he still wants to be a first team regular, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think so. But I, I think any player would, would want that. Um and equally he, he must only be looking for for assurances from from you know the management and things before signing the new deal. You wouldn't have thought there'd be a contract which writes in any kind of requirements for playing time. That's that's not a road anyone wants to go down. There's so many problems, especially when you you mentioned with the injury record, it just it gets very thorny very quickly. So it's just a case of, of like you say, wanting to feel valued. And I think I think he genuinely believes he can be that key part of the team for for a lot of time to come. And and there's no particular reason why he can't be, particularly when you look at the midfield options, if a shiny new midfielder had come in this window, maybe we'd be saying, OK, it's a little bit harder to see where Henderson fits in long term. But that's not happened for better or for worse. So the first choice midfield three still very much features Jordan Henderson. Mm-hmm. And until that kind of expected decline is, is obvious, then there's no reason why he can't hold down that place. He's the captain of the team. He plays well when he's called upon. And yeah, I think he's going to want to keep that midfield berth rather than just being the sort of utility man in the mould of Milner, who, let's not forget, is a good four years his senior. Yeah, that's true. And also, the, we are, the memories of Liverpool's struggles without Jordan Henderson the last season, particularly when they look like a little bit of a leadership vacuum, I think they're going to be fresh in a lot of minds as well. And I think once he gets back on the pitch, he's going to be very keen to prove exactly what he can bring. But... James mentioned there the potential for um, performance-related contracts. And the rumours are that the fourth year of this deal, it should be a three-year deal, but the fourth year will be dependent upon appearances. Now, this feels like a little bit of a compromise from both sides. Now, again, that suggests to me that no one was really against the idea of getting this done. It was almost just a case of, will you give a bit, then I'll give a bit. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the way I'd put it. I think um, the, the big thing was that Jordan Henderson wanted to feel like he was an integral part of, of this Liverpool squad, wasn't it? And that's, that's as you say, the, the middle point between guaranteeing him you're going to be our first-choice player because we don't know what Jordan Henderson in three years' time looks like. We don't know how 
how many injuries he's had before then, all of, of that sort of thing. I think this is a kind of an acceptance that it's not just about the leadership, it's about the playing quality, it's it's about all of the whole thing as a as a whole, if you like. So mm-hmm. I think it's 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 important in in that regard. I think for Liverpool, they will know that the only reason that Jordan Henderson isn't going to get that fourth year and isn't going to have that automatically triggered is if he gets injured, if there's certain things that would make them not want to keep him. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's not really a compromise, I don't think, from Liverpool's <laughs> point of view, because they would want to keep him for four years if they can. The only reason he wouldn't be kept for, for that long is if he doesn't play. And if he doesn't play, well, you'd move him on anyway. So it's 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 more of a compromise, I think, on, on Jordan Henderson than, than anything else. It's it's almost a, a kind of a safety blanket, isn't it, from, from Liverpool? They're, they're getting what they want, but if it doesn't quite pan out like that, it, it doesn't really matter. I think that the really interesting thing for, for me is is what, what sort of position he plays in that sort of third and fourth year. I think we've seen him play a lot of footballers as a number six and, and Jurgen Klopp tried that and I think pretty much everyone now would agree that he's far, far better further forward. He's far better influencing games from, from a slightly different position. But we know that he can play that number six role. It doesn't necessarily involve as much box-to-box work. It doesn't involve as much running. I think you can adapt Jordan Henderson's game without sort of changing him into a James Milner, yeah. playing him at left back, playing him in goal, playing him wherever. <laughs> I think you can change Jordan Henderson's game, control him, make sure the injuries are limited. I think there's a way of, of doing that and, and just bringing him a little bit further back as his career goes on. It, it It's at least two, if not three years away from that being the case. But I think that there is a way that you can sort of work him into a midfield role mm-hmm. where maybe you sort of manage the decline of him a little bit, almost without him knowing, if you like. You, you, sort, of, you sort of do that on the sly, on the side. Just to, to sort yeah. of, just just keep him happy, keep him there, keep all of the bits that he does, but, but maybe just change it to make sure that the injuries and, and all the rest of it don't come into it. But yeah, I think for, for both parties, it's kind of a compromise, but kind of almost inevitable that this was going to happen. I, I do like the sound of him kind of drifting a little bit further back, but not too far back. I mean, there were talk, you know, about the whole Henderson centre-half thing being his later in career. No, 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 no. Let's not do that, shall we? Please. Now, James, one thing that really interested me about the speed in which the turnarounds come from the dispute to the apparent agreement is Jurgen Klopp's involvement in this. Now, this is something that he very rarely does. He gets actually get involved in terms of trying to be a decision-maker, a lot of the time, he will very much try to play both sides in terms of understanding the views of his players, but also understanding the needs of the club to, to regenerate. But it looks like he's almost overruled certain things and just stepped in to say, look, if Jordan's worried about how we, he, we feel about him in this team, I'm here to tell you, you're still a really important part of my team. And the, the kind of guarantees almost, maybe not specifically guarantees, but in reassuring Jordan Henson, maybe some of the things that the likes of Wijnaldum himself didn't get in the past. I can think of Emery Chan when he was in a similar situation, didn't really get those kind of guarantees. Are you surprised that Klopp stood, stood in or is this just a, a mark of the standing of Henderson himself? Well, I think you're right. That's the story, really, for me in, in this contract renewal. It's that element of it, the the Klopp involvement. That's what really stood out to me when I was reading the report. It's it's what I think is the most interesting angle on it, because like you say, it's it's unusual. I mean, you look at Junior Wijnaldum, he played every game last year, and yet, at least publicly, 
there wasn't that element of Klopp getting involved. I mean, he said he was unhappy to lose him, of course, but you know, he he said he'd been unhappy. He'd say that about any player leaving the club. I think um, that's just the kind of man manager he is, the kind of person he is. Um, but but yeah, the fact that he's he's actually felt the need to intervene. I think I think the Vinaldum thing will be playing on his mind because he's lost a player who he really likes there, and he he won't want two of them in such a short space of time. Uh, so I do think there is that kind of pile-on effect. But yeah, equally, like you say, it's it's a mark of where Henderson stands in this squad. He, he's lifted every trophy that's come under Klopp, and that that counts for something. He's been he's been the on-pitch leader of Klopp's whole project, really. Um, I mean, you can make other cases for someone like Firmino, who's you know been the real instigator of the press. So that there's different kind of there's different tactical elements to who's led the revolution, if you like. But in terms of just the the leadership element. Um, yeah, of course, Henderson is massively important. And I think as well, we're very quick to, to criticise FSG and often that's valid. Um, but in this case, you do have to say, if Klopp's, Klopp's intervened and they said, yeah, OK, we'll give you what you want. That's that's the right thing to do. They realise how important Klopp is to this club. I mean, forget how important Henderson is. Klopp is just the, he is the key asset at the club. And if he wants Henderson to stay, that's kind of all that matters. And it, it's good to know that FSG are thinking along those lines as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point, the fact um, that Klopp's word still carries that kind of weight, even within this pandemic world where everything's had to be recalibrated slightly. When he sticks his neck out and says, this is what we need, they are still listening. I think the interesting thing for me, Matt, going looking into the future, is if there's another player in a similar situation and Klopp doesn't decide to get involved, is that going to cause a problem for himself uh, with players thinking, oh, well, clearly he doesn't care about me as much as he cares about him? Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I would say to that really is I think if you asked Jurgen Klopp, would he want to keep Gini Wijnaldum? I think he genuinely would have said yes. And I think, you know, if FSG had said to him, but we're, we're not quite sure, what do you think? He'd have said, yeah, 100% we'll, we'll keep him because obviously Wijnaldum was a huge part of, of the squad as well. So I think there was... There's a little bit more on, on FSG's side of kind of this is the captain, this would be a, a much bigger decision. Obviously, Wijnaldum was was a bit of a shock, really, to, to sort of lose him on a free transfer in some senses. But to do that with your captain, to do that with a player who's been at, at Liverpool for, for so long now, all of the other things come into it. I think he's he's almost a bit of a special case, as much as FSG and, and Jurgen Klopp wouldn't want to to pick out a, a special case, as you say, moving forward, it could come back and and hurt them potentially. But I just think with with Henderson, it was it was never a situation of we absolutely want to, to move him on. I think with Wijnaldum, there was there's a few things that made me think that that probably was the case. The the age, the wages, the fact that he's not in the first choice three obviously you need a squad and, and all the rest of it but he's not in that first choice midfield three I think with Jordan Henderson he takes a lot of, of different boxes obviously as I say that the captain being here so long crucial member of the team I think you know Jordan Henderson even even in terms of, of that link between FSG Klopp fans all the rest of it Jordan Henderson's been huge in that as well which I think is is going to play into to it for, for John Henry and, and FSG and all of, of the people making that decision so I think it's it's a slightly different case but you are right I, I don't think you can have you can't have too many special cases moving forward I think Jordan Henderson is is the one you can't really have another one yeah, I mean, let's not forget, he is the runner-up in the Sports Personality of the Year for 2020, so his standing has never been higher. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
But let, let's talk about the rest now, because Jordan became the fifth member of the squad to tie himself down this summer after Fabinho, Allison, Van Dijk and Trent Alexander-Arnold. But there are still some other players, some top quality players who are in that bracket of two years left where it almost feels like a decision has to be made one way or another. So those players we've got, the entire front three, so Firmino, Mane and Salah, all currently their deal runs out in the summer of 2023. Also, you've got Naby Keita and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. I would possibly throw in Andy Robertson as well because his deal goes up in 2024, but there has been some chatter that he is on the books for a new deal. So, James, I'll give you first crack. Who do you think is going to be next and why? In terms of renewals? Yes. Um, I, I think the natural guess is Mo Salah. Um, it's, it's, it's hard because it's not like the renewals have necessarily been going through in strict order of importance. Hmm. I think if they were, then Salah would have been even higher up the list. But that they have been kind of broadly going in that order. And it's just, I imagine Salah would have been top of that list, but his is harder to sort out for various reasons. We've seen his agent on Twitter. We've seen all of these kind of, these issues playing out. And he's going to want, he's going to want big money. He's already the, the joint highest earner in, in the squad. And I believe the um, the joint highest earner Liverpool have ever had. It, it's him, Thiago and Suarez are all on that sort of 200,000 a week mark. So any any deal for him would be breaking new ground now. So it, it's going to be the hardest to thrash out, but it's going to be the priority. So I think probably if I had to guess, that'll that'll be the next one down the line. I think that will make most Liverpool fans happy. It's the one that's kind of making us the most nervous right yeah. now, especially with the busy fingers of his agent on Twitter. Uh, Matt, there has been some chat that maybe Liverpool are looking to do Salah last because in giving him that big deal it stops anyone else trying to bump theirs up towards an acceptable level. Maybe not necessarily on par with Salah, but maybe an increase compared to what they have agreed at the moment. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I think that's something I've thought about for, for a while now of kind of making sure you do it in the right order. I don't think there was ever really an issue in terms of, say, a Van Dijk or someone like that not signing a new contract, but... Of course, if Mohamed Salah gets a huge increase, it, it just makes those negotiations a, a little bit more difficult. So, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with James. I think Mo Salah probably would be would be the next one. Um, again, Andy Robertson, you wouldn't expect there, there to be too much difficulty in the way of, of him. So, again, it, it could well be him that, that gets it. And he'd be absolutely deserving of, of new terms and an increase in salary and, and all the rest of it. But, yeah, the, the, the Mohamed Salah thing is interesting. I think... I kind of expected before the end of, of the summer to hear a little bit more about Salah, the fact that his agent was was tweeting over the weekend and obviously got Liverpool fans talking, suggests that maybe it's not quite as, mm. as close as, as what we might have hoped. But yeah, I think it I think it will happen, um, if nothing else, because there's not really anywhere else he can go. It's kind of he's going to, to stay at Liverpool, isn't he? He's gonna get that new deal. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He's quite clearly very, very happy here and think obviously for, for Liverpool to, to lose him as much as they might have to, to pay a bit more than they might like to in terms of, of wages it's not even going to come close to the cost that it would take to, to find a replacement so it's almost a bit like Jordan Henderson's situation in that it's a bit complicated but all parties realistically want it to happen and usually when that's the case it, it does tend to one way or another. 
I think that's a fair assumption. Again, like I say, it makes us nervous because we know that a most salaryless Liverpool is a very different Liverpool, regardless of the quality of the squad we've got. It is interesting, though, what you said regarding how much Liverpool are willing to give him because obviously the deals have gone before, it's not going to affect them, but there are still a few more, potentially, as I mentioned, in the pipeline. I want to focus more on Sadio Mane first, James, because he is another one who, up until very recently, was considered on equal footing as Salah. And over the course of last season, he slipped away a little bit, but he will still have the ambition to be the same at the same level as Mo Salah. Do you see there being an issue around him? I mean, personally, he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who's going to do that, but are we giving him too much credit? Are footballers still all thinking about business at some level? Yeah, I mean, I think they probably are. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to read too much into footballers' personalities because we know so little about them, really. We see them in interviews. We see who seems nice. We see stuff they do in the community, which is obviously a, an important thing, very important. Um, but in terms of how much it reflects on what they do in contract negotiations, I would say probably not that much. So, yeah, I, th- I think the safest assumption is that all of them will have agents who are just strictly trying to get the best deal possible. Um, but, yeah, um, that doesn't mean that I think he'll kick up a huge fuss. He's certainly not the kind of player who I could see, you know, going on strike, not turning up for training. So I think those are the sort of things you can, where you can read into a player's personality a little bit. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think, well, I certainly hope it wouldn't become a major issue. I do think he, he views himself as on par with Salah, which is, which is fair enough. Um, his, his contributions are massive to this team. That doesn't even really need saying. And, you know, without Mane, there's, there's not the same Salah we've seen in terms of the, the numbers he's posted up. Um, equally, Salah has brought Mane onto new levels. That season where they both hit the same number of Premier League goals, I think was a fairly large part because Salah was just drawing so much defensive company that there was a little bit more space elsewhere. Um, I do think Salah is the slightly better player, but there's, there's not really any need to, to draw those distinctions. The fact is they're all very important. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tricky because it's not like... It's not a mathematical equation. It's not like if Salah deserves X, then Mane deserves Y. Um, but yeah, it's possible that if Salah gets done first, that it maybe makes the Mane negotiation more tricky. But no, I'd like to think that there's a way of getting that done, getting them both done. Now, the other three I mentioned earlier, Matt, uh, Firmino, Naby Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain, for those three, there's probably more doubt as to whether a new deal will be agreed. It feels a little bit like a make-or-break season for the three of them. Uh, your gut instinct at the moment, how do you see it playing out? Do you see all three of them staying? Maybe one of them saying goodbye in the summer or maybe the season after? I wouldn't expect any of the three to sign imminently. I don't think it's going to be this summer for, for any of them. I think it might just be a case of maybe by Christmas time, maybe there's a bit more sort of of a feeling of of where each of them are at you know halfway through this season it would kind of be a, a decent point to then have a look at it obviously you do run the risk of them being closer to having just those 12 months left on the the deals but i think 
for each of them, again, there's there's no massive desire to leave. There's no particular reason that they could go somewhere else. There's not really a club where they would look at and think it was it was better to be than than where they are now. I think each of them, if you gave them the choice, would like to stay at Liverpool. I think that's that's fairly fairly obvious for all of them. I think Roberto Firmino is is an interesting one. Um, I know there's been some suggestion that Liverpool wouldn't sign up Salah, Mane, and Firmino, but I'm not quite convinced on that. I think if if Firmino has you know a, a good season, a, a better season than what he had last season, again similar to the Salah situation, it, it would probably cost more to replace him. Um, and obviously, he's a very difficult one to replace stylistically. I think you'd have to go and change the way that Liverpool play. I think Jurgen Klopp would would want to keep him if at all possible. And yeah, if it's cheaper to, to sign a new contract and, and keep him, that's probably sensible. Sadio Mane, I would would expect him to sign. I think he's going to have a much better season this season. <clears throat> I almost think it would have been better for Liverpool to do that negotiation. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to to do that negotiation before this season, just in case he, he does ignite, get back to, to the levels he was. Then he's going to be asking for a lot more money. But either way, it's it's going to sort of work its its way uh, work its way out. And yeah, in terms of the midfield, Cater and Oxley Chamberlain. I think there's there's a question mark at the very least. I think Oxlade Chamberlain. I'd be surprised if if he gets a new deal. Um, I think he's he's done okay in preseason, but the fact that he starts preseason playing in a position he's never played before pretty much says everything about what he's got to do. I think he's got a big task to to sort of get himself into a, a position where he would be deserving of of new terms. Um, just in terms of his importance to the squad. I know he started, obviously, the first game of the season, but there's a lot of players ahead of him. I think Harvey Elliott, the fact that he's playing midfield probably doesn't help him. There's just so many other options there. I think he's certainly not a priority. And if if it got down to the final 12 months of his deal, I don't think anybody would be that bothered, to be honest. I think it's, it's one of those that if you sold him next summer, if possibly even this summer, potentially, if someone came in with a big enough offer, that wouldn't be the end of the world. And... It's kind of a little bit similar for Cater. I think Cater's more likely to sign a new contract. Uh, he's slightly younger, I think, isn't he? He's one of those players that, okay, his injury record isn't isn't brilliant, but again, Liverpool have, have invested a lot in him. They've spent a lot of money on him. I think there's there's a, a bit more of a desire to to just stick it out and, and hope that it works because I think out of the two of them, at the very least, you'd say that Cater, if he went to another club, you could see him really becoming the player that we all think he could be. I think there's always going to be a bit in the back of, of Liverpool's mind to say that possibly they'd rather just keep him rather than risk him saying go to, to Spain or go to Italy and suddenly ignite and become a, a brilliant footballer. I think there's always a little bit of, of Jurgen Klopp that will think he can get the best out of him and, and maybe that'll be this season. So I think there's, there's, there's sort of a long way off being a priority, I think, for, for Liverpool. But yeah, if if I had to sort of hang my hat on one of them to to get a new contract first, I think it would be Firmino, and probably Oxley Chamberlain would, would be the the least likely. Um, but all of those things can change. If they all have brilliant seasons, they will all get new contracts. Well, this is it. They all have the opportunity to put themselves into that bracket and to really make a play for it. And one of the things that really struck me while we've been having this conversation, James, is that when you compare it to some of the names of the recent past. Liverpool really do have the upper hand in nearly every single one of these scenarios, particularly with those three we mentioned, whereby the, it's a win-win scenario. If they don't play well, then obviously we aren't committed to them. We will have to let them go. If they play well, we can either stay 
can sign them or we can sell them at a higher value than they were before. So whichever way we're looking at it, Liverpool are probably going to be better off from maybe waiting a little bit with these three. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. There's pros and cons of each argument, really, because I think with Cater, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him get a new deal fairly quickly, just purely from a protecting his value kind of aspect, because Matt touched on his age, and yeah, it's it's so easy to forget, but he's 26. Like, it's he's it's, it's very young. Like, he's it, in his peak or approaching his peak. He's maybe not even there yet. Um, so to let that run down to, to 12 months to go, even if he's still not really performing where Liverpool want him to, is not something I see as being hugely likely because then the hand is forced to trying to sell him next summer, it, trying to sell him from a, a slightly renewed deal, even if it's just extending it by a year. That that feels like it would put the club in a stronger position. Um, so I could definitely see that one coming, potentially even more so than I can see a new Firmino deal. I, I hope both happen, but... Um, that's that's my instinct anyway. Uh, but yeah, in general, I agree. The club's in a strong position. They're, that's what they're doing at the moment. They're tying down all of the kind of must-keeps. And then that just leaves you with the ones who, if they perform well enough, they can get a new deal. And if they don't, then it's not the end of the world. But the problem does come in offloading those players. We don't want to have loads of Vinaldums just leaving for free. It's, mm. it, it's kind of where football's headed in some ways. It, at least it looks that way. But equally, for FSG it's not good if that is where it's heading because, you know, their model relies so much on player sales. Um, we can't have too many players of Wijnaldum's quality not bringing in a fee. Um, so that's the only aspect where I'm potentially slightly worried. But, yeah, that's why it's so good that all of these key players are getting tied down. No, you're right there. I think with Cater, we have to remember as well that the outlay on him, that £50 million, £52 million, I think it was, may well end up clouding some of the judgment when it comes like you say to protecting that value with a contract extension so i'm probably leaning towards you i think that he probably will end up getting a new deal even if it is one that kind of just kicks the problem down the line for 12 months now finally all of these um tie-ups of contracts are fantastic as we've said however they have come in lieu of new transfers now there does seem to be a little bit of frustration that maybe Liverpool are trying to use these as new signings, almost as a PR exercise to deflect attention. But Matt, does that kind of ignore the realities of football finances in that this is actually a more a higher priority for a team like Liverpool who already have so many quality players within their team? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's not it's not a deflection. It's it's not an unwillingness to do transfers. It's just, as Jurgen Klopp said in his press conference on Friday, thank God we don't have to sign Virgil van Dijk this summer because how much would that cost? Liverpool have already got the best goalkeeper in the world. They've tied him down. They've already got the best centre-back. They've tied him down. They've already got the best right-back. You don't need me to go on. I think if, if Liverpool had to, to go and replace these players, they would just cost silly amounts of money and you wouldn't necessarily get a better player you wouldn't even necessarily get a player as good as the ones that Liverpool have already got in these areas so I think it's it's a priority if you know a new transfer came at the cost of you know losing or even just unsettling a particular player who Liverpool have already got it it just wouldn't it wouldn't be worth it it just simply wouldn't be worth it in any way shape or form so look it's it's not a distraction it's it's a very clear policy I think 
know, COVID is, is the reason why all of these things have to take place this summer. It's the same reason for why Liverpool have kind of offloaded two years worth of deadwood, for, for want of a better word, this summer. I think that would have sort of taken place last summer. A few of these contracts would have been done last summer. It's just they've all had to, to be done in, in one go. And as James said, that's that's the model that Liverpool work to. This is the way that FSG do things. And as much as you know, people might criticise them for, for not doing transfers, there's still a couple of weeks left in the window. It wouldn't massively surprise me if certain Shakiri moved on, if Nat Phillips moved on, and, and there's you know space for, for one more player to come in. I think Liverpool do need one more. I'm not suggesting for a second that you know I don't think they should do transfers. They, they shouldn't do them for the sake of it, but I think there is there is space for, for one more to come in. But yeah, contracts are, are just as important. If, if Liverpool lost Virgil van Dijk or Salah or Alisson, just imagine the reaction then. So uh, as much as it's frustrating, I'd much rather this reaction of why aren't we doing transfers? I'd much rather that than the alternative. Yeah, very much so. I mean, even in three years' time, I don't want to have to be thinking about it. But there's an argument as well, James, that maybe Liverpool just needed to have a better idea of where their finances lie. I mean, once they've committed, they know how much money they've committed to some of these new contract extensions. They know how much they have to play with when it comes to attracting more new players in. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, won't we? Like, uh, <laughs> it's it's one of them. If if we end up signing someone in the last couple of weeks and that narrative starts to make some sense, if we don't, then, then you know it's dead in the mud, isn't it? Like, it's clearly wrong. But um, but yeah, it's it's possible. Um, I I do agree with Matt. Broadly speaking, I, I think I'm possibly a tiny bit more cynical in the sense that there's no window for renewing contracts. It didn't have to be in the summer. We didn't have to do it in the transfer window. I do feel like there's maybe that element of okay, let, let's get let's get them done now. And it's still great business whenever you get them done. But the fact that it is in the summer and you can announce them almost like signings, and it yeah, I, I think it's maybe a little bit sleight of hand trying try to appease a few fans. But um, but that doesn't change my opinion of the business, which I think is just exceptional. Hey, us fans need things to be happy about. So I'm not complaining when they do it. I'm yeah. just glad they did it. And if those are followed before the end of the summer by Salah and Mane and maybe even Firmino too, I'm pretty sure all of us will be just as happy with that. 100%. But thank you for another show. Thank you all for watching. I'm sure you will give us your opinions on who should be the next person to be signed up by the club. Maybe even within the club, maybe without the club as well. We'll see you all again next week.